Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. So I'm going to talk about unproduced samadhi, samadhi non-dual, uh, samadhi uh, suchness, suchness, pointing to uh, the, you could say the condition that the being is in when he, she, or they are not separate from anything. Uh, this will not necessarily register in one's relative consciousness as some, oh, I finally made it into samadhi. Whoop-de-doo. After all these works, work, I'm finally, I finally see I'm not separate from anything. So unproduced, um, the Sanskrit is uh, anutpataka, anutpataka samadhi in the Sanskrit, which is very similar to that in other languages, Indian languages like Marathi. I know I looked it up since I don't have Chisho here to help me. He's busy contemplating the fundamental nature of 30 verses. <laughs> no, I think he's, I think he's studying uh, cutting through, believe it or not. So, so the idea here is to talk a little bit about uh, unproduced. Uh, in other words, you do not, don't have to like, accomplish samadhi. You don't have to accomplish um, uh, suchness or accomplish enlightenment. It's not something else. It is not something else. And this is a, uh, if, uh, if a, a person, a teaching person in particular, sees this, they will not be too clear on how they can talk about it without misleading people because there is exertion there is uh, generosity there is patience there is discipline and there is samadhi and there is a wisdom so the idea with someone who teaches is to try to encourage one's listeners students to work with their mind in such a way that they see what this is. So rather than uh, start the way I was started with uh, Shamata Vipassana, Shine and Laktang, mindfulness awareness, and like down and just start, go very slow, watch the breath, watch this, watch the breath come and go, thoughts arise, label thinking, all of the various ways that this is done. I'm not here, as you've heard me say many times, I'm not here to be dismissive of that or to say you shouldn't practice that. Perhaps you should. If you were to say, I don't want to do shikantaza. I want to do mindfulness awareness or um, calm abiding and panoramic awareness is the word it was uh, Western way of talking about it. And you may need to do that. So the idea with this talk here is I'm encouraging you to look at anything you see that arises and see that that is not separate from uh, the unconditioned. It looks conditioned. Uh, it may show up and it may go away. So it has a quality of appearance and disappearance, appearance and it's just the way relative truth works. Shows up and goes away. The rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Things come up and they go away. I'm sure you've noticed, and you're still noticing, and you would like some things that are coming up to go away, and some things that are not coming up to appear and be more profuse, abundant. The very nature of the second noble truth of the Buddha, the first, of course, is discontent or unhappiness, suffering, frustration, and the second one is Wanting, wanting something that keeps running away or wanting to stop something that keeps coming forward or wanting to shut out something that's always in your face. No, the way it appears to me is that is that if you continue and you persist and you continue to return to the cushion, return to return to silence, return to stillness, return, return, return. I'm not saying stay there. Maintenance is, a, I think, is a misunderstanding. 
and can give you the illusion, uh, which we run into that every now and then in some uh, teaching professionals, shall we say, that they think they found something and they want to tell you how to get to something so that you can find something too. Not incorrect. but perhaps not complete. If you think of it this way, I think the fundamental teaching is nothing is separate. That's, that's fundamentally that actually nothing is separate. So if that's true, then you should be able to look at anything. Don't add. You should be able to look at anything at all. Don't subtract. You should be able to look at anything at all. Don't distract or cover it up. That's, uh, well, to put it very bluntly, that can be a pain in the ass. It can actually bring out the very suffering that you are trying to shift away or the very, the very, your very authenticity you're trying to get rid of because you don't see what it is. You don't have a hint. So the teacher, in this case, this old man, is saying whatever is arising, when you sit down, whatever is arising in your mind stream, that's it. As long as you don't grasp it as it, or you don't reject it as uh, not it. That's close, but it's not exactly, because it doesn't match up to my ideas, my preconceptions, my presumptions about the nature of fundamental truth, or the nature of, uh, however you want to say it, happiness, happy, unconditioned. Unconditioned, this doesn't mean that you might feel not feel good today and not feel good so, so good tomorrow. But that unconditioned happiness is because the uh, teachers in the traditions down through the centuries have tried to find how can you talk about how can we say this? How can we how can we say this without lying? How can we say this without distracting? How can we say this that will be fundamentally encouraging, but not fill up the space that someone is supposed to see through their awareness practice. Unconditioned. It's sometimes called bliss, which is not uh, a feeling. Sounds like one though, doesn't it? Sounds, sounds like that's, I'm, I've been pretty blissful today. Oh, well, Sokozan would say you're not feeling anything. Not say that. <laughs> so, because I would be happy that you're blissful. So, the, the good news is this can be done. You can do this. And the bad news is, when I call it that, is it's hard to do because the the sidetracks are are profuse. They're all over the place. The sidetracks, uh, the, uh, I need to fix this, or this can't be. This can't be right. I'm, I can't be feeling this way, and have that be something that's appropriate. I need to stop that. I need to stop feeling that way. It's like you. Uh, maybe a metaphor would be. It's like you. You decide to get on the bus and go somewhere, and then you get on the bus and it's underway, and you found out you're on the wrong bus. You are not on the wrong bus. You are exactly where you need to be. If you're listening to me at all, once in a once in a while, and if you're facing the wall, uh, once in a wall, then there's a good possibility that what shows up in your mind stream, you'll stop fighting with it. And this doesn't mean... Uh, I have to say this over and over again because it's such a simple idea and it's so easy to misunderstand. Don't accept it. If, if somebody's telling you you just have to accept something, uh, don't accept that. Don't agree, don't disagree, don't look away. It's, it's extremely simple and it is uh, extremely difficult to see deeply because we continually try to do what? Navigate out of that. We try to navigate, we try to strategize so we can get better, get higher, get smarter, get more wise, get samadhi. 
And there are people who teach it very, very literally that it is something you can actually accomplish and do if you just follow their uh, protocols. I'm not to accuse anybody of anything, but uh, well, maybe I will accuse somebody. So it's it's not that it's incorrect to use a strong intellectual approach. Sure, it is, and if that's working for you, then and you were thinking your way into enlightenment, then with the support of whatever structure that you've been reading or listening to. And I would say, if that feels correct, I would do that. But if you're listening to me and you continue to keep listening to me, uh, then I would say, just watch what moves. Because what is moving for uh, Sokoan or Unse or William Hume is exactly, maybe not that day, maybe not in three days, maybe not in two weeks, but at some point or points or some situations, the exact thing that you need to see without pushing it, the exact thing that you need to see without accepting it, and the exact thing you need to see, talking about phenomena rising in the mind stream uh, without ignoring it, is it. And when I say it's it, I'm not saying it's it, it. I'm saying it's it. It's not a conclusion. It's just it. And it's simple, it's ordinary, it's profound and vast. And I'm not, these aren't, these, this isn't some new interpretation of the nature of uh, reality or the nature of the ultimacy of your, the phenomenal world or the, the world in which things show up and go away, show up and go away. It seems to be very important to just like in any exercise to repeat, repeat it over and keep, continue to do that. But I, I feel, I feel that it's also necessary to find out what it is you're repeating. So you're just not making your uh, situation worse, making it more and more entrenched with the feeling of getting somewhere. I'm finally, I'm starting, I'm actually, I'm able to get into a state of meditation. that's very peaceful and very, those of you who have been into that know that, might be good. It's pleasurable, but it doesn't last. And it's difficult to take that very calm, so-called samadhi, the created form of samadhi, uh, into everyday life. What I'm asking you to do, what I'm get, asking you to just consider, is consider there isn't anything but, but samadhi. There isn't anything else but this. That, that's why everything you see is the uh, samadhi. Ancient way of talking about this is everything, everything. If you're listening, if you're looking, if you're on receive, then everything is preaching the Buddha's Dharma. And what is it saying? Not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate. Yellow is not separate. Red is not separate. Rough is not separate. Smooth is not separate. Not separate. You actually hear the voice of the Buddha. If you just receive, eventually the, all the lineage holders will start speaking to you. Saying things like, well, it's about time. I've been waiting for your lazy butt. So just receive. It's it's difficult. It's really difficult. But if you see what it is and you have the inspiration of the the three jewels of the, of the Buddha, of the Buddha's Dharma, and of the Sangha, of the lineage, you can do it. Just receive. So is there a difference then between unproduced samadhi and produced samadhi? Can samadhi be produced? Well, well. the unproduced samadhi can't be produced because it's already the case. That's why it's unproduced. It's uh, anupadaka is the Sanskrit. Anupadaka, just like the, the paramitas, anupadaka, uh, dharma, kshanti, or kshanti, or, or prajna, or um, uh, Dana Paramita. It's unproduced. So you, you know, there's no one giving anything to anybody. There's just fundamental generosity. Uh, Trunk Rinpoche called it environmental. It doesn't have a 
the generator. It doesn't, there's no giver, no gift, uh, and no giving. And it is, you, you can actually see that, you can understand that, you can receive that. Thank you, Bali. So, is it possible through meditation to produce samadhi? You can produce a, uh, a, a, a produced uh, relative equilibrium, yes. This is quite often what's happened. People sit and practice for long periods of time and do a particular a calming, calm abiding and so on. It's not that those are wrong, but without a teacher, without being able to work closely with a teacher, uh, those can lead to a, a shutting down that in the form of a sometimes a, these are called jhana states and so on. People work hard, spend their whole life trying to develop the jhana state so they can actually be uh, um, have a relative kind of stability, security. The Buddha went through those, as far as we know, the way it sounds. You can do that too. I'm just not going to help you do it. But you could do it. Start by closing your eyes. You'll notice if your eyes are closed that it's easier to create kind of a kind of a more secure, serene, a little bit more pleasant. It might still be irritating also, but there's a it's like you're actually a feeling of getting to some other place. And you are, you're creating it. Mind is a amazingly has an amazing amazing ability to come up with anything, including stability. But it's relative. Ultimate stability is in the midst of chaos. This means that whoever you are, no matter what occurs, you don't accept it, you don't reject it, and you certainly don't shut down on it. And that sounds like, uh, to the ego, that sounds like suicide. And it is it is suicide for the ego. Uh, but then it's not because uh, ego is unreal, so you can't kill ego. But, but it might feel like that initially, like... Like Trump Rinpoche also used uh, the meditation uh, awakening is uh, the, the approach of awakening is going to feel like uh, a funeral, and ego can't attain its own, uh, attend its own funeral. Further questions, or I can continue to chatter away. Is there anything that we might recognize as happiness that's after that funeral? Yeah, there can be the relative relative happiness and sadness is still activated, it's still going. You still might cry about something. You may it might still uh, break out in laughter because of something that's funny as that happens. So that's still happening. It's just not the difference is it's not happening to a solid being, a self anymore. It's just humor. Excuse me. It is just it just arises and it and it doesn't need a it doesn't need a, a some kind of a being who is uh, laughing or who is enjoying or who is uh, think something is funny. There, there's no there's still consciousness. There's still the six sense fields and their objects, but there's no central authority anymore anywhere. Anywhere. Not even the Buddha is a, not a central authority because you're, you're no, no longer separate from the Buddha. This doesn't mean you're omniscient. Pardon me. Yes. Do our stories, do our stories around what's arising affect what's arising? Yeah, you can. Yeah, if something arises and you start telling a story around it, then not only not only does that kind of camouflage the whole thing, because you tend to look at your ideas about things rather than the actual thing. But then if you're interacting with that situation, then also that just creates more um, more spinning in the area of dependent origination. I mean, you're actually moving into that based on trying to get something, trying to get away from something, uh, trying to ignore something, all kinds of things like that. It doesn't make it, it doesn't mean this is bad or wrong. It's just the nature of, of the relative world that we we showed up in as a an apparent separate being with the sense fields and and so on, 
an entity, a so-called entity. More about that if you have it, Shiro. So, Colin Bowing. Yes. If if we are endeavoring to hold still and watch what moves. Can we be creating uh, what you call a relative equilibrium without knowing it, perhaps through ignorance or something? You know, um, I, I, I think I follow you. You know, there could be some of that coming and going, but the awareness of it will also be there. You'll, you'll see that you're, you're fluffing something up or tamping it down, or you're trying to manipulate things and to kind of get your way or get your ideal equilibrium or you, your feeling of, uh, of, People uh, give so much uh, um, credibility or validation to their feelings and their emotions and their experiences. <laughs> the, the, just the politics of experience are just, it's just a labyrinth of it should be, it shouldn't be, it could be, it might be better to do this or not do that. I shouldn't have done that. If I do this, I feel better when I do this. And it, it's not that there isn't some really powerful relative truth going on, but when you start to get uh, into that area where uh, all the spinning is going on, it's uh, it's difficult. I mean, it's difficult to kind of work with that in a way that that you don't end up just creating more uh, relative, what uh, just contaminated with uh, wanting things to be different than they are, not accepting or accepting or being the person who's starting to accept things. It, it is a it is a fundamental fundamental just the bottom falls out of everything but it won't fall out of everything until you look at it and then you realize that the bottom really doesn't fall out of anything that's that's the fear of ego what actually happens uh, is not uh, is not an occurrence you might say it's uh, it's the opposite of an occurrence <laughs> don't don't believe me don't disbelieve me Simple, simple idea. Don't, don't believe, don't attach, don't reject, don't shut down. And if you do that, then that's, that's, that's where we're at. And, and that is, that is uh, Samadhi, unproduced, unproduced, Anupadaka, unproduced Samadhi. Because there's, there's no way making that. There's nobody, there isn't anyone, no separate being. It's a, in different uh, texts. Uh, the sutra, uh, one of the ones that we do, uh, uh, says uh, 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 picking and choosing is the disease of the mind. It's not that you don't have a preference. It's not that you don't prefer this over that. But it's a very simple situation that that arises and shows up for a while and goes away. But adding on to that, the, the idea is when there's some kind of momentum to not want that and want this. Some kind of a energetic pushing or pulling. Buddhism says uh, uh, is called the middle way because it's not too tight, not too loose, a little bit, but not not a lot of uh, pressure. Come on, you guys, give me some questions around this. I, mean, I just gave you a, a title to a talk that said uh, this is unconditioned or unproduced. Not, samadhi is, is a, in other words, realization is not something you produce or make up. What the hell is it? It, it has no relative status other than the status you may give it. I'm going to start asking. My, I'm going to, go ahead. Sometimes you talk about the teacher pushing the student off the edge of the cliff. Yes. If nothing happens, what is that pushing? Same. Nothing happens. Same. Don't, don't settle. Come and get me. Shukabang. Is the 
there's the expectation of there will be a moment where you push me up a cliff. Is that, uh, is that confusion? Well, it might be confusing. I don't know if it's con confusion. It could be confusing. I, I already pushed you off a cliff. You just haven't hit bottom yet. Will that happen sometime soon? Can't guarantee anything. How does it feel? Does the teacher continually push the student off the cliff? Getting awful nosy. I think somewhat the 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 if the devotion and dedication of the student is strong, and I'm not talking about obeying anybody. That's a, I think that's a misunderstanding. But if that is strong, then the devotion and dedication of the the teacher to the path of the student is also very strong. It's 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 not even two separate things. What is devotion that's not obeying? Uh, it's called uh, get your own authority. Pretty hard to get that uh, on your own. In other words, your own authority. Pretty hard to get that. What is authority when there isn't anyone? Yeah. Find out. Look at it. Look at the look at the nature of uh, the preconception about authority about someone. This has been taught this way down through the centuries. Uh, is the, the 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 master is the authority or the guru the authority? Does getting our own authority disrespect the teacher? Uh, if if you're uh, if you're faking it, if you if you think you have an idea about how to do that, and you do it, yeah, it could be it could be disrespectful. But the the teacher being disrespectful, but it might not be so good for you. This seems to be a really touchy or tricky area for me. Um, I know it is. And why is that? Why is this tricky for you? You have some difficulty with authorities? What authority? <laughs> Did you say the Port Authority? Port of Johnson. Yeah. Okay. You have a question about it or you want to go further into that? I do wanting to be good students be just you know? well I, I think it, we can turn anything into that if it goes too far in any one direction but um i don't think particularly i mean you want to be a good student this would bas basically be about you it wouldn't necessarily be to the, trying to show up to the teacher as being uh good if that's what if that's the direction you're going with it. I'm just saying that, you know, wanting to practice, wanting to, the teacher says, do this, do this, this, then probably a good idea to do that. But if you don't do it, then um, I had two, te I had more teachers than, than I probably thought, but the two that I know about um, didn't seem to care what the hell I did. Uh, they didn't seem to, I don't know if they did. I don't know if they did or not. They may, they may have cared, but. It didn't seem like it. Bowing. Tano. Muted. There you are. Muted again. Tano. There you are. Oh, sorry, it keeps going by the perfect. What is disrespect? Yeah, not, not being aware of boundaries, of actual boundaries, or natural boundaries. And uh, assuming that your invented boundaries are the ones that you're going by rather than the, the natural boundary that arises as this world. So disrespect is, is, is going by your own interpretation of boundaries. 
which sometimes causes people to, to totally abuse other people because they think they're their their property. I mean, simply put, somebody's doing this and this and this, and you and you instead of allowing, you could say allowing them minding your own business. Instead, you not just you but anybody starts to go in and order them around or change them or or want them to act a different way. And this this happens even with parents and children. This doesn't mean that you, if your child um, hits you, you shouldn't do something about it. You should, it doesn't mean you shouldn't just let them hit you. If, you. if you've been training your mind, you're aware of the boundaries that are showing up in your own mind without accepting them, without rejecting them, and without ignoring them, then that's the best classroom for, for seeing what is boundary, what is respect, what is authority, what is, what is that whole structure and situation. The teaching person, if they are getting, uh, if they are treated uh, as a teacher, whether that's some somebody's uh, artificiality around the whole thing and, and is actually just a lot of projections about the teacher rather than seeing who's in front of them, uh, then there could be some disrespect and there could be misunderstanding of authority as there is all over the place, all kind of, uh, and but it's just, the teaching person is not not separate or separated from anything. So therefore, they're at the mercy of their karma, your karma, all the karma of the world. Just like I sometimes say, I can see the way, when I talk to somebody for a few minutes, I can see the way in which they're shutting out their Buddha nature. But I may not have permission to, uh, not only not may not have permission to step in and say, um, Start looking that way. Don't look that way. You know, stop that over there and do this. May not be like that, but it, it could show up as a as an out and out instruction on things, and, and it may not. It may be the teaching person, or the may just receive what you're saying and maybe not come to a conclusion, particularly about your state of confusion or so on. Am I putting Bill to sleep? I think I am. No? Just a little pipe dream there? <laughs> Santa Maria, by the way. Yeah, Santa Maria. What is a natural boundary? How do you identify that? So I use a... Um, there's obvious ones. The natural boundaries, there's obvious ones all over, but it gets more more difficult to see with the uh, with the condition of the consciousness and the awareness and the way that functions but it's like um, mountains and rivers there the natural boundaries are all over out in and the whole situation is taking care of itself but we meddle with it like our weather situation is just horrible it's just it's out of the some kind of think uh, thinking that we have to take care of nature we have to manipulate it, do it, make dams, and I'm not, I'm not into being you know, some kind of a, a under, have an understanding of nature. But I mean, that's a good area to see the natural boundary, the the natural situation that uh, sometimes say that you don't see roots in the air and leaves underground. It's a natural hierarchy of things, and those boundaries show up there. And there is a, uh, uh, you could say a. A cooperation between the, between the various energies of things. Uh, the way uh, the way some some uh, living beings are eating other living beings. There isn't anything but a sometimes called it's called a food body. This is just made of food. If we don't eat something, we can't continue to live. So there's a there's a natural boundary there where we um, no no example is coming up that would be. Uh, uh, in a, in a vividly appropriate to the way you're asking me. Maybe you could go further into that and something will show up that where I can be more, uh, um, respond more directly to what I sense you're asking me. Maria Bowling. Um, I'm not sure I can put it in a question, but it, the formless boundary yeah. is, is what's coming up for me right now. I can respond to that. The very best natural boundary is to mind your own business. 
So in other words, I say my way of teaching this, I guess you call it teaching, is talking to people uh, and trying to be fundamentally helpful by saying, don't do anything unless you have to. And this way, you're, you're not doing much. But then you know you have to eat. You know you have to sleep. Uh, you, you may have to um, go out dancing. I don't, you know, I don't know. You may, you may have to, you may have to drink. You may have to not drink. You may, I mean, those, those areas are quite often our control areas that when it's just like when, the, when the visual consciousness is receiving one thing or acting and then mental consciousness is do, operating in another way, the, the six sense fields and their objects are not really separate from each other. They're separated. Uh, and they're separated, and there's a natural boundary between the eye consciousness and the ear consciousness. Yet there's a there's some kind of rapport happening there, uh, some kind of a, some kind of a uh, interaction that tends to pro- perpetuate perpetuate and and um, and display uh, that there's some kind of an entity, some kind of a solid, separate being called or discrete being called me me and my stuff, my ideas, and then our emotions, we grasp the emotions or reject them, grasp the ideas or reject them or ignore them. And that tends to promote more uh, discontinuity in that whole identity structure. And then the discontinuity is is brought together as a me feeling that needs protection or as a me feeling that this shouldn't be happening to or and constantly taking some kind of position on, on everything based on this intense body-mind identity that I'm here, it's my body, and I'm, uh, I am I need this and I don't need that, or I need to tell you this, but you need to hear this from me. And just, the best natural boundary example I can give, give is, uh, is uh, less is better. Try to receive as much as you receive through all the sense fields as much as you can, rather than close them all off and just think about stuff all the time. Think about this and think about that. Receive as much as you can so that you can see that there, there's fundamentally no receiver. There's just receiving. There's no central authority anywhere. And it's a, it, it sometimes shows up, it can show up as a, an incredible appreciation for everything and everybody, including, including the crazy people including the people who are um, destroying destroying everything because of their insanity, because of their desire to be happy at the expense of anybody that can get their, get their claws into them, because that's how they get their happiness. It's, it's an addiction to feeling. Can, can receiving ever be disrespectful? Hmm. I, I might be able to, uh, being the creative whiz that I am, I might be able to come up with some way to make that look like disrespect. But I, I, the closest I could come to that uh, would be receiving what someone is doing, uh, watching someone do something, and uh, and not so much uh, a particular disrespect of them, but watching them do something in such a way that you see this cannot go on. And this needs to be stopped. And then you step into it, not out of some kind of motivation to control, but because you see it so clearly. You you see your arm is bleeding and you stop it from bleeding. You're not interfering with it. It's not disrespectful. You are participating in dependent origination. Just like uh, uh, in, uh, I'm going to give a real personal example here. Uh, when in, and back in the 70s and early 80s, when my teacher was drinking himself to death, people kept bringing him alcohol. And I think it would have been a good idea if people would just not done that. He wouldn't have gone out looking for alcohol. So that was uh, disrespectful based on people not seeing clearly who the teacher is. The teacher is not a separate person anymore. The teacher is you. That You are the teacher. So people turn, turn that around and blame the teacher for how he, she, they acted when actually it's not separate. It is not separate. There is no powerhouse of a guruship happening anywhere. And those who think there is, 
are mistaken. And as part of spiritual materialism, as part of the West and the way we, the way we treat uh, uh, anybody, the, the leaders of our country, the leaders of our spiritual path. I'm glad, Anna-Maya Bowie, I'm glad you brought that example up because I've thought of that often about uh, Trump was uh, drinking yeah. and uh, and was still confused as, like, would, would that have been meddling had they stepped in, had they not brought the alcohol? No. It's not clear. No, it would have been choiceless, but you, you can't have, you, uh, a teacher can't always have... Uh, necessarily he, he or she or they have to meet the student where they're at. And so, and he also, he has to meet his own karma where it's at. And he had a really complicated karma. He, he wasn't even supposed to live. That auto accident he got when he ran into the joke shop was supposed to kill him. I think he was in, uh, when I say supposed to, I don't know, but you know, he was in, in a coma for five days. Somehow he came out of it and kept on going as a cripple. So it's hard to say, well, this shouldn't have been, that shouldn't have been, they should have done this. I'm not even blaming anybody for it. I'm just saying, I mean, I was one of them. Uh, I wasn't very close to him. So, but, you know, in the other things that he was, uh, you know, doing, uh, all the abuse that's there and the abuse that happened with Regent, uh, Vajra Regent Ursul Tenzin and uh, Sakyong Mipam and lots of other teachers, lots of other, and students of his. There's a lot, a lot of uh, people kind of get the idea that, you know, if my teacher could do this, maybe I could do this kind of thing. Uh, the the region even said he thought he was protected by the lineage, which is just, this is just baloney. When I say baloney, I'm not saying he might not have felt that way, but <laughs> it's, it's complicated. It's difficult. And it's not separate. The teaching person is not some entity that we get to blame because they acted a certain way. They, they are a manifestation of the world that they're, they're showing up in and, and, and the, the profound uh, uh, compassion that uh, he had for others did not protect him, did not protect him from his own insane karma. So meet everything where it's at and be respectful, be kind, as uh, His Holiness Dalai Lama said, be kind, just kindness. That's a, that's a good practice. That's a good description of Buddhism. Be kind. And don't be a nuisance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Y yes. Yeah, I, I like, I have to quote what uh, Anna Maria is springing, springboarding off from is a Trung Purimpache once said, and I have to paraphrase it a little bit. He says, well, you may not attain enlightenment, but at least you, you'll stop being a nuisance to everyone <laughs> if you meditate. Anna, Anna Maria, is this your birthday? It yes, is. It is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Any other birthdays here? No. Okay. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Would you rather another tune? Okay. Keep going. Happy keep birthday. Going. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> Feliz Navidad. Oh, yes. And then we digress. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, my darling dear. I love you so much. So good to see you. Elizabeth, have a question. Somebody else? Anyone else? Questions? It's nine nine Sano bells. Bowing. Go ahead, Sano. I I was wondering. You mentioned blame a moment ago. Yes. It made me think of certain politicians and other people who I do blame, maybe not as people, but I blame their behavior. Yeah. And I think it's unacceptable, but I agree. I feel very Buddhist. I agree. You, you don't have to more. feel like a, you don't have to feel like a Buddhist. 
it's not a Buddhist, feeling like a Buddhist isn't Buddhist. So, but go, but be be genuine with your feelings. I mean, of course, I mean, it's a crazy world, and right now there's really intense warfare. But like I sometimes say, and I don't mean this just to be silly, but go back and read about the Peloponnesian War. It's very similar. They're, they were dealing with a wall back then. They were dealing with uh, with a plague. It was killing people. I think one third of the population of Athens. They're dealing with that. They were dealing with uh, the thirty. Uh, a gang of 30. That, I mean, it, it, go back and read it. Just some of the chemistry of politics and everything was going on then. And the only thing I have to say about this, I know this is going on, but the momentum behind the insanity this, the, that we see all over, the momentum behind it is is untraceable. You can't find the first cause. And to, to go in and blame a particular person for the trajectory of energy that is behind them as a manifestation of, a, of an actual entity who has a relative... Uh, um, dynamic happening there. They're they're provided with. Don't you wonder why people go along with this? Why people listen to him and actually say, "Well, you know, I I think he's doing pretty good." You know, I'm not sure which person you're talking about, of course. But I'm saying it's it's not about shutting down your blame. Just notice it. Just this is always about awareness, not about awareness, not about accomplishing anything, succeeding in anything, and it is about awareness, which which is wisdom. In its, uh, in its fundamental nature. And this is where compassion comes from. And compassion is not a feeling. Uh, uh, wisdom isn't, isn't a criticism of anything. And it's also not an acceptance of anything. It is just clarity around what this is and is it dependently arisen. And I, I would, the only thing I can say is, as a relative statement, train your mind, which I know you're all doing. Just do it a lot. As much as you can, sit down, hold still, watch the movement and find the insanity in your own self. You're not, you're not separate from this, <laughs> my friends. You're not separate. You're also not to blame for it. But there is some responsibility in just receive things as they are without a bunch of fruitcakes on top of it. It's just take it like it is. It's just like it is. It's not your. It's not what it is with your ideas and your interpretations and your modifications and your editorials and the other contraptions that go along with making us feel like we know more than other people. Sanho, you have anything else? Sanho? Not yet. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Just, just receive. I know it's painful. I mean, it's my goodness, it's terribly painful. And we're, here we are right, you know, Push that right down in this muck, muck of the dark age, and and you can realize who you are in the midst of this, and and in that way, if you do step out into the world and function as a more public person like Sanho, like you're practicing uh, uh, studying law to be able to do, uh, you won't take your own unexamined aggression and project that onto others out of blame or projecting onto others out of whatever success, failure, but you'll be clear about it. And then that way you can see the actual confusion that the world is in. And you can see why some people are so such an, uh, even monster like they're, they're monster like. So, and, uh, this doesn't mean let them off the hook. No, but find the right hook rather than just a, a finger at them or, or an editorial or a, Find the right, find the hook that is your that is your uh, ability to respond to whatever is occurring. This is not only is this uh, uh, is this called responsibility, but it's called confidence, fundamental confidence that doesn't need a backup. Needs no validation. You see it yourself. You see it with your what wisdom eye. You have you have a wisdom eye. You just are covering it up. You don't have to create a wisdom eye. We just covered up with hope and fear. So we can, uh, we take can one last take one more. When you said we can have one more question, as long as she gets to ask it. <laughs> Sokaran bowing. Go ahead, Sokaran. You've said in the past that samadhi without prajna is hard work. What is it about prajna that makes samadhi effortless? Bowing. 
because uh, Prajna, uh, uh, Samadhi is, is still has a balance happening, but then there's some kind of a balancer sometimes, and that comes in without Prajna. So it's uh, just uh, the, the last three, uh, last two of the uh, six uh, precepts, uh, Dhyana or uh, Samadhi and uh, Prajna or Wisdom. Prajna is uh, this, uh, symbolized as a sword of Manjushri. So it's a sword that is a two-edged. It cuts through you and other at the same time. It's just a symbolic way of talking about it. In other words, no self, no other. This is wisdom. There are, there are no separate beings anywhere. But there's intense suffering for those who think they are separate and are struggling. So the the compassion can actually arise out of that kind of clarity. It's not compassion isn't feeling sorry for someone. There might be people who are who you have sympathy for or something, but there might be other people who maybe you don't have sympathy for, but there's in, intense compassion in relationship to that situation because they are so profoundly confused and are dangerous, are dangerous to the welfare of everyone, to, to everyone's nerve endings. Further question about that, Sogren? Thank you, Nala. Thank you. Okay, can we dedicate the merit from the monastery then? Would that be appropriate? Look at the people that are in that monastery. Are those people all wearing helmets? Thank you. 